All right, so what's your favorite Christmas story? Do you have one? Is there a book you read every Christmas season? Maybe some of us are old school and we go for Dickens' uh, Christmas Carol. Maybe there's a series of romance, you know, Christmas romance stories that we like and, and we read those every year. Maybe some of us are attracted to the, the kids' books, the children's books. Maybe there's stories that we've been reading for years and years and years. Maybe they were read to us when we were children. So stories like, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas or How the Grinch Stole Christmas." Maybe The Snowman by Raymond Briggs or The Polar Express by Chris Van Allsburg. There's something about stories in Christmas. In fact, I think for a lot of us, we think of the stories from our own life, how we shared Christmas together uh, with people we loved. Now, not everybody has happy stories around Christmas. We know that to be true. We know that Maybe even in this room, there are a number of us that are looking to this Christmas and wondering about our own personal story. For a lot of people, there's something, a connection about the story of sharing that space and time that simply matters. Stories have this ability to bring us back, to connect us. We know that in our culture, there's this general story around Christmas But as Christians, people who uh, read Scripture, we know the story behind the story. The story of of what God was up to on that original Christmas day. This season, this Advent season, we're going to make use of a very succinct telling of the story. Not just of Christmas day, but of the coming of Jesus into this world and what Jesus accomplished This very succinct telling is going to be our scripture passage that is going to guide us through our Advent Sundays into Christmas Eve. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to actually invite all of us to read it together today. And if I can invite us to go ahead and stand as a way to set ourselves apart for the reading of God's Word. And you might be wondering at home, if you're participating there, uh, whether you should stand or not. Go ahead and stand. Have, um, we'll have the words up on the screen and you can read right along as well. This is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Let us proclaim the word of God. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Amen. Please be seated. You know, may God bless the reading that we just shared in, and may God bless our time together as well. I loved that Joss spent time with the kids up front talking about waiting. I, I know that for me, for the experience that I had growing up, uh, ours was all about Christmas morning. Christmas Eve, we, we would open up a single gift, but that wasn't the big deal. It was, for us, it was all about Christmas morning, and it was torture. It was just... It was the, let's torture the children as they wait in their bedrooms. We had to get all prepared. I mean, we, we couldn't show up in our pajamas. We had to get dressed. And, and our, uh, my parents at the time, they, they um, uh, you know, I think they had to make danishes for them. It seemed like from my bedroom that they were out harvesting the wheat in order to make the flour. And they, I never knew how long a pot of coffee could take to brew. Um, but we waited and we waited And we anticipated, and the delay seemed like forever. 
life under the sovereignty of my parents was hard. Of course, the waiting I had to endure was nothing like the waiting God's people had to do for God to fulfill his promises to them. You know, Paul alludes to this waiting in that first line of the text that we have. That line, uh, when the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come. You know, at the, at the beginning of that phrase, but when the fullness of time had come, he says uh, that conjunction word, the word but, it lets us know that there's a transition, that, that there's a connection between the sentence we're going to look at and what came before it, and what came before it. You know, if, if we turn our attention, if we want to know what came before it, we would do well to look at the story that Paul lays out in Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 29. I've put it up on the screen in such incredibly small font with high expectations that you would read every single word. Um, all I want to do is highlight how Paul lays out the story for us. He's going to say eventually, in, in the passage we read, he's going to say, but when the fullness of time had come. Leading up to this, the story he lays out begins actually in verse 16. He says there, promises were made to Abraham. This becomes the anchor spot of the story that Paul is telling. Promises were made to Abraham. We could look at that ourselves. We could go back to uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and we can see there that, that God, out of all the people of the world, God chose, at that time his name was Abram, but God chose Abraham. And he said, listen, I, uh, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, and, and, and I'm going to bless your family, and through your family, all the peoples of the world are going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you. The promise was made to Abraham. The next point in the story that we find is in verse 17, when Paul says, the law, which came 430 years afterward. So we have the, the anchor spot of Abraham, and then we move along in time 430 years later. Now it's the time of Moses. And through Moses, we know that God said, Here, here's my law. You're my people, you're my people. I, I've, I've given you promises through Abraham, and, and now I want you to have the law. In fact, the way that Paul will describe it, it says, it was given because of transgressions. Uh, we were held captive under the law, that, that the law, because of our own brokenness, uh, in Joss's prayer when she prayed that we stray, that people had strayed. There's a, a strained element to who we are as people, and and, and so under the law, we were captive because of our own strain. And then in verse 24, Paul describes it as the law was our guardian. So he describes a time for us in which the law existed. The law came into this world to serve as our guardian, as our guardrails. And then in verse 25, he says, but now faith has come. But now faith has come. Those three points to the story. Abraham. A promise came through him. The law served as a guardian. And then faith came. Jesus. We know. We've read it before. We've shared the good news with each other that we're saved by grace through faith. Grace alone. Faith alone. Christ alone. With the arrival of Jesus, faith came. With Jesus, the fullness of time had been realized. 
the plan had been worked out. We had reached that place, that right place, the fullness of time place in God's plan for this world. Maybe it might help if we actually throw it up on a timeline. Let's do this real quickly. Let's have a timeline of God's plan. So we began with those three parts. Abraham, that's promise. The law serves as a guardian. And we know that Jesus, we can put today on there as well, but we know that Jesus came. And with Jesus, we're saved by faith that we say yes to Jesus Christ and everything that was about us that would stray from God, Jesus paid the penalty for that. And and all that's right about Jesus was applied to our account. Abraham, the law, Jesus. Do you know that they actually have a name for this? Theologians have a name for this. It's a German word. The word is Heilsgeschichte. Heilsgeschichte. I'm sure like this is the 20th time you heard it this morning, right? Heilsgeschichte. Um, It's a word that has two parts to the word. Heils meaning salvation and Geschichte meaning history. And so it's the history of salvation. Let me put it up here phonetically. And let's actually say this word together. Would you say it with me? Heils Geschichte. Heils Geschichte. You don't ever have to say that word again, but I do want you to know that there's a history to God's plan of salvation. It wasn't just like he showed up one day, hey, this isn't working, let me try something else. It wasn't just that the world started when Jesus arrived. God was already at work working out his plan. In fact, we can add to the timeline. We know that from the stories of the Bible that God created. In the beginning, God created all things. God was the creator of all things. And when he created things, he created them good. All things were created good. And when he created us, when he created humans, he created humans in his image that we would be in a relationship with him, that there's something that is different from humans amongst all of the rest of creation, created in his image. Male and female, he created them. And then the fall happened. We know from Genesis chapter 3 that that original couple, that they were given a simple boundary, just don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and they strayed. They chose their plan over God's plan. But even in the midst of the fall, we see God's story of salvation, his history of salvation, his working, his plan being put into effect. He provided for them. They had gone from life to death. They had had spiritually died. They had fallen out of this intimate relationship with God. And yet God provided for their well-being, not their destruction. He provided for their well-being. You know, after the time that the law came, we can move forward to the time of David. We know that uh, some 1,000 years before the time of Jesus, that, that there was this king sitting on the throne uh, for the people of God, King David. And God made a promise to David. He said, listen, there will be somebody who will sit on your throne forever and ever and ever. One of your descendants will sit on your throne forever and ever. Part of the promise David, this is going to be true. People of God, this is going to be true. A descendant of David will rule forever. We can go forward from there to the time of the prophets. Even though that promise had been made to God's people uh, in and through David, that, that um, we know that the people continued to stray, that they continued to say, I've got a better plan than God. I want to take, uh, take control of the plan of my life, and I want to live life according to my agenda, not God's agenda. And so God, in his story of salvation, in his history of salvation, he sent prophets to talk to these people, 
and call them back under the guardian, under the law, that they would return to God and seek God's plan for their life. In fact, we know some of these words, especially from the book of Isaiah. Uh, Words like this spoken as part of God's story of of salvation, his history of salvation. For us, uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, just as Josh read this morning. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, we also read, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is part of the story. The people of God received this hundreds of years before Jesus ever arrived, before the fullness of time. Hundreds of years before the fullness of time. And so they had to wait. We could add one more thing to the timeline. It's something that has yet to happen. We know that there is going to be this time when Jesus returns. That even now, after the fullness of time had arrived and, and, and Jesus came into this world, we know that we live in this time of faith, but there's another fullness of time. In fact, if you wanted to, you could turn your uh, Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Actually, I'm going to start us in verse 7. We'll put cha- verse 10 up on the screen. In him we have, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan. And get this, for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. There is another fullness of time. Jesus arrived in the fullness of time. But in God's plan, there's a second fullness of time when Christ returns again. This is God's plan. God has always had a plan. Heil's Geschichte. It's the history of salvation. It turns out the old adage, plan your work and work your plan, applies to God too. So what does this mean for us? Well, the first thing I think it it means is that we need to decide. We need to decide. Am I going to trust God's plan? Am I going to trust God's plan? There's some stories from the uh, first arrival of Jesus that we've told in this room before in past years and made part of our Sunday morning activities during Advent. Uh, Two of the stories involve... um, Uh, One involves Simeon, and another involves Anna. So this is from Luke chapter 2. Listen to the story of Simeon. You talk about waiting. You talk about trusting a plan. Listen to this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He knew the story. He was waiting. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's uh, Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, when Mary and Joseph brought in Jesus after that time that they had to 
go through a cleansing and now they're at the temple to present Jesus. To do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up. Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He's like that little boy who sat on the edge of his bed just waiting for his parents to say, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. We can celebrate Christmas together. He had been waiting. He'd been waiting, and the time arrived. The Holy Spirit let him know, this is it. This is happening right now. It's the fullness of time. Of course, we also have the story of Anna. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years um, as a widow, uh, and then as a widow until she was 84. In other words, she had been a widow most of her life. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting uh, in prayer um, night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Another waiting person. God has a plan. And they waited on God for God to work his plan. So how about us? Well, we trust. We know the story of the disciples. They, they were invited by Jesus, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Who were they going to trust? Were they going to make that decision? Whose plan were they going to live by? We know that at one point Jesus told his followers, he said, listen, if, if, if anyone become one of my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily to trust the plan. Trust the plan. We know that Paul, Paul was working against the church. His name was Saul at the time, but he was working against the church. He was going after Christians to kill them. And, and then God got a hold of him. Jesus got a hold of him on that road to Damascus. And the risen Jesus made himself visibly known to Paul. And Paul knew that, that what he was doing was wrong. And he, he thought he knew the plan. And Jesus confronted him. And now he knew the right plan. And Paul followed. And we can think out throughout all the centuries. You think about all the people who gave their life because they believed, not just the God, but the plan. They believed in the God who has a plan. They believed God's plan. And they trusted it more than anything else. You know, I, others have said it, not hard to believe God for something over which we have no control. It's not hard to believe in God for things after death. We have no control over that. Sure, I can say, I believe in God for heaven and eternity, and he can be my savior, and that's fine. I'm just going to go about and live my plan right now, and he can take care of that plan. It just simply doesn't work that way. This past uh, few days, people um, all over the place traveled. I know we, we drove, and other people flew. And you know that feeling when, when you're walking down, what do they call it? I, I can't remember what they, the gang, I call it the gangplank. It's not the gangplank, but that... Um, thing you go you walk down to get on the plane you guys know what i'm talking about right um uh, and so there's that final step you take at one point you're on something attached to a building and the next point you're on the plane right so you don't just trust the plane for the destination you trust the plane for the journey 
right? You can't just go, listen, I, I, I don't really trust how you're going to fly. I don't like the idea of flying. Just get me to my destination. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. In order to get to the destination, there's this, there's this engagement where there's this trust of the pilot and the flight plan and, and the mechanics and the whole thing of the vessel. And you're trusting the whole flight plan, the whole plan that they've put together for your well-being. Not just trusting for the, dena- the destination, but trusting for the journey as well. So to trust God means stepping into God's plan now. So will we trust God's plan? Will we yield to his life-altering, life-changing plan for our lives? Will we trust? The second thing for us to consider then this morning is that we're called to align our plans with God's plan. If we trust his plan, then the next thing we would do is to align our plans with God's plan. Vicky and I have watched a couple episodes, episodes of this show called Counter, uh, uh, Part, Counterpart. And the premise of this story is that there's some guy back in 1987, a scientist in uh, Eastern Europe, uh, he discovered this doorway to a parallel universe, a parallel world, an exact duplicate of, uh, of this world. And, and so the story takes place as people kind of travel between these two worlds and, and different things uh, take place. And maybe that's kind of a picture of how a lot of us attempt to live our lives. Yes, we know God has a plan. And there's a whole universe full of God's plan, but then we go, but we kind of like being sovereign over our own lives. We kind of like having a plan for our own lives. And we try to travel between these two universes of going, yes, God, I I get that you've got a plan and and that's awesome, but but I really kind of like my plan. And I think I'll be in charge of this today. Maybe tomorrow if I need you more, I might let you be in charge. Turns out though that there's only one universe, one world. That God's plan is the only plan with ultimate hope. And if God's plan is the only plan that will not fail, it simply makes sense to come under it. Listen, God may not care which instrument or sport you play. He might, but he might not care what instrument or sport you play. But he does care that you know how much he loves you. God might not care which university you go to. Oh, he might, he, but he might not care which university you go to. But he does care how you treat people when you get there. God might not care which major you pursue, but God does care how you steward your talents and abilities. God may not care which job you t- take. He might, but he might not care which job you take. But he does care how you use your talents your time, and your treasures. God may not care who you marry. He, he, might, he might not even care if you marry at all. It, but he does, if you do get married, he does care about how you treat your spouse. God may not care how many kids you have, but he does care how you pattern and model faith and faithfulness for them. God may not care where you spend your retirement. But God cares deeply that you would put him first in your life. God may not care which Christmas card we send out, but he does care whether or not we're passionate about Jesus or alternatively if we're embarrassed by him. No matter what stage or, uh, of life we're in, no matter what phase or stage of life we're in, we're called to bring our plans under God's plan and to make his plan our own. The third thing I think we can grasp from this passage 
is that we're called then to share God's plan with others. It simply makes sense. There's only one timeline in our universe. There's only one story, one plan with the, the actual hope, the actual realization in the fullness of time where Jesus is going to come back and make all things new. There's only one plan for salvation. The Christmas story isn't just a story of shepherds and sheep and a manger and wise men. It's the story about going from death to life. It's the story about true forgiveness. It's a story that, that results in eternity in the kingdom of heaven. I, I know people make a, a big deal of trying to find the perfect gift for somebody. You know, we, we search, we, we do these search, maybe you've put it into Amazon.com, the perfect gift for my loved one, hoping that somewhere in the search will be the ideal gift. The perfect gift to give is Jesus Christ. It's the perfect gift for every single human being. And it's super easy to give. There's nothing we necessarily have to do. It's God who quickens the hearts. The struggle we might have is in how do we wrap the gift? And we trip over this all the time. Well, what do I say? Do I have to have, you know, how long do I have to have this trusting relationship with a person where I can actually share something with them? And, and what if I say something wrong? And, and how, how do I package this? And, well, most of that we won't learn until we actually start doing it, right? That, that the more we share the gift with other people, the more we learn how better to do it. The gift is easy. We'll learn how to give it. It's the best gift to give. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. This is God's plan. It began in the beginning. It took the form of promise to Abraham. The law came in the world and, and, and served us as a custodian, as a guardian. But in the fullness of time, Jesus came. In the fullness of time, he will come again. That's the rough skeleton of his plan. We may not know when the fullness of time will occur in the future, but it will occur. Now is the time for our best Simeon, our best Anna, that we would trust God's plan, align our plans with his, and share his plan with as many people as we can. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful that you indeed are a God who uh, reveals your plan in this world, that there is a history of you working to save us, and that in the fullness of time, Jesus came into this world. And in the fullness of time, he is going to come back again. God, help us to, to live under your plan. To find in your plan the plan for our lives. That we would honor you in the small spaces and in the little conversations so that one little space to the next little conversation and the next little thing that we do, that all of them added up together, that they would just be in concert with what you're doing in this world. Help us to love. Help us to forgive. May you so work in us that we would yearn for people to know you, that we would steward all that you've given into our care, that we would steward that for your glory. 
and that one day indeed Jesus Christ would return and you will make all things new and we will have joy upon joy in your presence forevermore. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.